Welcome to another episode of Daddy Square, a.k.a. the Gay Dad Podcast. It's hard to say three times. Gay Dad, but Gay Dad Podcast. Gay Dad Podcast. Oh, it's good. Um, yes, and happy Thanksgiving to happy Thanksgiving. all of our American listeners. If you're from Canada, I think Thanksgiving was like a month ago, but th- you know, happy Thanksgiving for you too. And if you are from Europe, just hello. Hello. Yes. Welcome to another episode of Daddy Square. I'm Jan. <laughs> I'm Alex. How was your Thanksgiving, Alex? incredibly fattening although I think what we did was really good we had people over to our house uh, but they brought most of the food uh, so we didn't do a lot of work um, except for dishes um, it was good one of the things that I noticed our kids our twins are three years old and something amazing happened last night which was a neighbor came over he, he was also three years old and the three of them played alone in the in their room together for a while, like 15 or 20 minutes without our interference or anybody getting killed or anything like that. And it was glorious. Granted, it looked like a tornado went yes. over the room. But, yes. Uh, but at least uh, we got a 20 minute the of idea, quiet. The idea that our kids will be able to play with each other and with other kids um, is a, a breath of, of, you know, fresh air and sigh of relief. We're preparing for the winter, Alex. So it rained uh, even here in LA on Wednesday night. I think that when the first train comes and the day after you can't go to the park or anywhere outside because it's too wet, yes. we start thinking about, okay, what are we going to do during the winter? Yes. Uh, where are we going to take them? And it's becoming such a dilemma that I wanted to also ask our listeners, what do you guys do during the winter? I know that usually with us, it's kind of, it's a problem to stay at home because our kids are kind of trashing the house. Yeah. Uh, They have tons of energy and, you know, maybe now when we bought them a trampoline, it will help like a portable Mm, trampoline. It'll help for 10 I doubt it, yes. But um, so it reminded me that last year I had like this dream project called Desperate Parents. Yeah, I remember Desperate Parents. <laughs> Desperate Parents in L.A. Um, if you look it up, it has some idea for people in L.A., but, you know, after a while, you get ran of ideas. So. Yeah, I mean, listen, I remember when the kids were babies, I would take them when it was raining or cold outside, I would take them to the mall, and it was I'd push them around in the, in the double twin stroller. And I remember it was so funny because all these mothers would be, like, passing by in their twin, twin double strollers, and we'd all be just kind of nodding at each other, like, yeah, this is where we are because there's nothing else to do. Now that they're older, I, yeah, I haven't quite figured out what we're supposed to uh, – what we're supposed to do so with them. So if you want to give us some advice, hello at daddysqr.com, on Twitter, at Yanir Dekel, or on Facebook, Daddy Square. Yeah, That's the please. Name. And also, don't forget to review us. We want reviews. Yeah, we got some, like, uh, over 20 reviews. Excellent. That's five nice. stars. We, we, oh, five stars. Yay. Yes. We love that. We want more, 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 more. More, more. 20 is not enough. Ideas, criticisms. You know, I don't want all of my criticisms to come from my husband, so. Okay, Alex, uh, speaking of criticism, we have to cut it short because today we're having a full episode and a very interesting one, may I say, um, about other ways of parenting. So pretty much up to now, all of the uh, interviewees that we had were mostly gay dads through surrogacy or adoption. 
Uh, but there, there are other ways of uh, gay people to become dads, and I got uh, a lot of education uh, recently. Uh, we're going to bring you two stories today. So we separate the, the episode to two parts. The first one, we're going to meet David, who is a, a sperm donor. Uh, he's a known sperm donor and uh, uh, had babies with a couple of uh, lesbian uh, moms. Um, and the other ones we're going to talk to through a phone call is a gay couple co-parenting with a lesbian couple. That's really, really an interesting story. I'm fascinated by the names of the different forms of parenting. And there's a certain sensitivity to making sure that we're naming the way that the, the parents have done this correctly um, because it matters to them and matters to us as well. And there are so many different ways. Yes. So let's stop talking now and go to... <laughs> That's unlikely. <laughs> and go to our interview with David Dodge. He's the managing editor of gayswithkids.com. We met him while we were in New York, and um, he told us about his form of parenting, which is uh, a sperm donor. He started as a sperm donor, but the connection with the babies and with, with the kids were, were so good that he became kind of um, a father, a father figure. So This is the way you stop talking. Let's okay. go to the interview. Okay, here's David. <laughs> okay, hi David. Hello. Uh, welcome to our podcast. Thank um, you for having me. Before we start asking you questions, I want to start by you telling us your story. So let's hear it. My story? Well, I assume we're talking about my parenting story. Yes. <laughs> Why? Do you want to tell us anything else? We uh, were open for the all... The stories I could tell yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> It's um, not that kind of podcast. It's not. Buddy. Right, this is a family podcast. PG thirteen, literally. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, so about five years ago, two of my best friends asked me to uh, be, consider being a sperm donor to them, um, and it was something that came out of left field for me. I was twenty nine years old. I had zero interest in becoming a dad. Zero path towards becoming a, a dad. It was the last thing on my radar. So it definitely uh, threw me for quite a loop. Um, so I spent the next six months freaking out about it <laughs> and talking with my friends at ad nauseum. We met up weekly to discuss like, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? How involved should I be? Like, These are lesbian. Lesbian couple, couple yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and at the end of it all, I kind of just realized that there were, even though there were tons of unknowns, I didn't know what it would feel like to be a dad that I, you know, and not be able to be directly raising the kids. Um, uh, you know, so much was unknown, but it just at the end of the day, my parent, my friends deserve, deserve to be parents. They're amazing moms, and I knew that they would be from the beginning. Um, and so it ultimately came down to a decision to help them. Um, and, you know, so at the beginning, it was a selfless act that I had I was doing for my friends. And mm -hmm. little did I know that I would obviously fall deeply in love with the, the kids that would come out of this arrangement. And so we have two kids, um, a daughter who uh, is named Nora. She just turned four and a son named Benz, and he just turned three, and then we have another one on the way, due Whoa. in February. Oh, wow. <laughs> Breaking news, a lot of people don't know that, actually, in my, my friends and family. Due February? Due in fe yeah, end of February. So it started as a favor, basically, yeah. Yeah. and uh, how involved are you now? So um, I, I, much, I and my family are much more involved than I think anyone thought. I think when we discussed this, when it was still an abstract kind of idea um the fear was more i think that i would kind of um be swooping in and taking in you know getting too involved um 
which I understand from their perspective. You know, it's uh, it's a scary thing to invite this other person into your parenting experience, and they didn't need to do that. They could have they could have gone with an anonymous donor, but right. they they decided that it was important to them to make sure that their kids had um, a connection to you know their biology. Um, so at the outset, uh, the moms and you talked about. Uh, the extent of what your relationship with the kids would be, and what and what would the extent be? What would they say? I'm right. not saying what's yeah. happened now. What what did you guys envision? Um, honestly, the beginning conversations, their expectations were that I would be willing to meet with the kids every now and then. That when they had questions, I'd be around to answer them. Um, but there was no expectation beyond that, and that's actually still still the case. Um, okay, but that's not what's happened. <laughs> uh, so they um, originally lived in New York with me. They were in Queens. Um, they had to move up to Connecticut after having two kids and trying to make that work in in Queens. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. um, so they um, so they live up in Queens, and I see them probably about once a month. Um, they you travel. Yeah, I go up there. They'll come down here sometimes. But, I mean, honestly, some of the times I see them the most is when my family gets involved. My These are the first grandkids for my parents. Um, mm-hmm. And they are very excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I cannot – like before I debate my family, I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah originally. My mm-hmm. parents are both still there, and I would have to beg them to come visit me before. And now they're, I cannot get rid of them. <laughs> they're here all the time. Um, and my friends, it's really just kind of an open door. Po- it's it's transformed into this thing that none of us really expected. Like there are moments when my family wants to come out and visit, um, but I can't be there because of work or travel or whatever. And my fa- my family will just go and you know straight I'll, to Connecticut. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll find out after the fact that these arrangements are being <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're going to see my kids. That's awesome. Okay, uh, but it, yeah, it couldn't be a better arrangement. It's been. so they call you daddy. They call me. They call me papa. Okay. Yeah. Oh, which, papa. Yeah. It's so yentl. <laughs> <laughs> and the compromise. I mean, it was kind. Of, this is something that every donor has to go through. Um, is the the name game. So for for me, they were originally um, wanting to call me an uncle. And so that I didn't really have a whole lot of, um, it, the, especially before the kids were born, like I didn't really care what I was called except for I did not want to be known as an uncle because I kept picturing this like Jerry Springer moment when the kids were old enough to be like, oh my God, uncle... Uncle David's yeah, my weird. daddy, yeah, right? So, I mean, and I know, like, I will caveat that by saying I know a lot of donors that that works perfectly fine for, right. it, and that's yeah. great for them. But for me, I was like, I just don't want to, you know, predicate this whole thing on something that's going to be kind of like a weird mental hoop for them to jump through later. Um, mm-hmm. And so, other than that, I was like, call me what you want. And so, for the moms, they were thinking words like dad and father were kind of indicated more of a parental role than I'm playing, which I, you know, I'm not a decision maker in this situation. Mm -hmm. They consult me. I'll give my opinion. They ignore it. And I'm joking. They don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, and that makes sense to me. So they, you know, so I, the compromise was, you know, father in a different language. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not sure Papa and dad have much of, okay, whatever. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting. And I do think for the kids, it's, it, you know, cause they, their kids all have, or their friends all have, um, you know, daddies and, you know, right. they, they recognize that their situation's a little bit, they have a papa and they have two moms and they kind of, so I think it, for them, it kind of actually does help to have a slightly different name than what their friends have. Cause they right. know it's like, you know, it's not exactly the same and they have a kind of a unique special situation. Has this experience, uh, and the time since the kids were born, has it changed your, um, perspective on having kids, your own kids? I get asked this question all the time. Sorry. And we no, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> we're here to ask the question it's that a, people ask you all the time. Yeah. So they stop. No. Yeah, no, exactly. uh, listen to the podcast. Right, listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's a good question. Yeah. That's why I get asked it all the time. Uh, and the answer is I 100% 
emphatically do not want kids of my own. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's it, before I, like I said, I never had an interest in having kids right. myself, but mm-hmm. um, I think before this, maybe I could have gotten bullied into it by a partner that really wanted right. to have, you know, I think it would have been this, uh, it was an abstract, I did not really understand what, you know, it would mean, but now that I have, you know, I'm about to have three kids, like I want every last inter- you know, inch of my parenting or um, energy to go towards them. Right. Um, so, uh, that's kind of how I feel now. Again, yeah. like I'm single at the moment. So, like if I was in a relationship with someone that it mattered a lot to, I don't know. I don't, you know. But my, I would hope that any partner of mine would find some sort of, uh, you know, uh, interest in being a part of this kind of crazy configuration that I've right. gotten myself into. Well, <laughs> other than the than the caring that it's so obvious that you have for them, um, have you in seeing? Hmm, the parenting process. I'm just going to call it the parenting process. Uh-huh. Um, have you actually said, "Wow, yeah, I don't do that." Uh, I will say that I have a whole lot more respect for parents <laughs> than I did before. Like, yeah. you know, and it's it's it is it's hard. There's yeah. going in and out of it because it's you know it's not something that I I feel like I've watched my friends. Um, uh, and their experienced parenting and they, you know, obviously every new parent has to figure it out on their own and they're just so good at it, you know, and I, I they also do it every day. So it's something that like right. every now and then they'll go away for the weekend and I'll watch the kids. Like one of my parents will come and we'll watch the kids and give them a little bit of a break. Um, and by the end of it, I'm just like so exhausted, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's what they do. It's like their lives. And uh, so I think it's both something that I, you know, I'm just not doing enough to be able to get good at. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and also, I just think it comes really naturally to some people. Like my pa- my friends were born to be parents and they're, they're doing it amazingly. <laughs> I think I could do it if I, you know, if, you know, God forbid anything happened to my friends, I would, you know, obviously step up and, and do it. But it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of just something that I am learning about myself that it's uh, maybe not. Like, my if biggest. you don't mind my asking, yeah. are you legally um, established as a, uh, a whatchamacallit, what do you call that? If God forbid something happens. Um, I'm not and not. intentionally. I okay. think we wanted to have zero legal ties um, for Understood. that reason just to not complicate things. But, you know, I mean, it's a conversation that we talk a lot about. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of an ongoing conversation. But Raising the kids, when you meet them, do you kind of implement stuff that you like? Oh, you like know? what am I kind of trying yeah. to impart on on them? The, um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, as much as I dislike the uh, term, like the fun uncle or whatever, because <laughs> that's not who I am, but it is kind of the role I play. Like, I, you know, I feel like uh, my time with them is, you know, it's mostly fun. It's it's playtime and it's, you know, it's uh, I'm not like their main disciplinarian. So I think they look at me as, you know, just kind of like this fun guy that randomly comes into their house several mm-hmm. times, you know, a month. Um, and, and, you know, so I don't know if there's anything in particular that I'm doing. Uh, do they involve you with, um, let's say, family trips? They want we do so many family trips. <laughs> really? <laughs> so yeah. the, the uh, with my family, man? typically, yeah. And you and your family and and the yep. moms. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like once a year since um, the kids have been born, uh, my dad, my brothers, um, and I, um, and the moms and the kids will all go to some beach town somewhere and spend like a whole week together, um, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. And then we've spent the last two Christmases together. Either mm-hmm. they came out to Salt Lake the second year that this all started, which would, like blew me away that wow. they were willing to do that, which was incredible. Obviously, my family is like <laughs> super excited about yeah. that. Um, 
so yeah so i mean it's been i when they do their own family vacations i kind of give them a little bit of a break from the dodges because yeah. we're we are we're an intense lot so um and there's lots of us <laughs> so we do plenty of i think uh, everyone would agree that we do enough family vacations <laughs> we don't ever go anywhere so it's just very surprising <laughs> to me to hear this obviously you are exposed to many uh, stories of uh, gay dads because you are the managing editor of gayswithkids.com i am so many gay dads of which we are a member yes yeah. yes which is very exciting <laughs> yeah. tell us a little bit about your job what do you sure what do you do and yeah i mean it's i mean this has been kind of a very interesting i won't call it a side effect because it's a big part of my life now but um a consequence of having you know decided to donate to my friends is that um, i started writing about it right away so the i started looking for resources when i first donated to see just i wanted to see positive examples of other people that had done it just some sort of like Yeah, something like that that could show me that what I was doing was not the craziest thing on the, on the face of the planet and all I found were examples of like friends like suing each other and it all going yeah uh, wrong and it was all only negative examples so I I was like well I, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be our case so I started um, writing about it for uh, the New York Times mother little blog um, yeah. I kind of chronicled it up to um, the point of my daughter's birth um, on a weekly basis and from that um, the the co-founders of uh, gays with kids Brian and Ferd reached out to me and asked me to um, start writing for them so I started at gays with kids as a writer um, and then that kind of grew into the role that I now play which is the managing editor and it's just been uh, I mean so I will say through the, this work I have met dozens and dozens and dozens of other donors people that are in the similar situation all me. of whom are suing each other yeah no not <laughs> and that's that's exact word a lot of people that have donated and they're like oh thank you so much for giving voice to this it's you know they had a similar experience to me where there was no positive examples out there um and then you know other people that are have been asked i mean it's you ask ask a gay man that knows a lesbian that he's been asked you know like a lot of <laughs> <laughs> or it's come up oh, in conversation wait a minute <laughs> hey all my lesbian friends how come you never ask me no well maybe asked. all your uh, gay people without kids maybe oh maybe it's that <laughs> yeah. all right it's a, but i guess what i found interesting is like as soon as i decided to do this the amount of friends of mine that were like oh yeah so and so asked me and i said no or you know like whatever like right, it's a conversation yeah. that happens between gay men and lesbians far more frequently than i think people realize and it's becoming more and more common i think a generation from now mm-hmm. um this is going to be a very common form of parenting among the lgbt community um so yeah it's kind of exciting to you know it's really it. fascinating to hear you say that i guess i certainly thought about we we have uh some friends who have have done this but i never really thought about that it almost implies a new social structure yep, right absolutely. if it becomes common enough um you know right now there are new names that are coming out but there were co-parenting between lesbian exactly, and, yeah. and gay men like in, before like yeah. before us so that yeah, was sure. my, yep. i think it's older than the it's absolutely older than yeah, uh, yeah i'm definitely yeah. not the first person to do this and the example uh, yeah the examples go back decades people have yeah. been doing this but right. the frequency with which it's happening now i think mm-hmm. is fascinating and it's you know i i do think it's going to definitely change kind of the fabric of how we and they're pushing the boundaries to where even straight couples i think are looking at what gay couples are doing. right um and they're entering into intentional co-parenting where you know with non-romantic partners and you know people are embarking on uh, parenthood solo so much more yeah. frequently now um yeah so i just think parenthood is going to look Wow. unrecognizable in a generation uh, right-wing Republican oh, no. call us right. <laughs> we'd love to talk to you about this I'm sure this oh, is very a review on this, this podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's right five stars it's happening whether they, they wanted to I or hear not. you um, 
So another thing that I wanted to ask about gays with kids is mm-hmm. how do you decide like which family to feature? All right, so this is what I always say um, when, since I started doing this job is that if you are an LGBT person, and honestly, specifically, if you are a gay man, bisexual man, a trans man, you did not become a parent overnight. You, there's always a story there. There's always. So it doesn't really matter um, what your story is. There's an interesting story there. Most people have to struggle for years. They have to afford it. For, you know, it doesn't, babies don't just fall in, into our laps, regardless of your path that you've chosen. Yeah. So it makes my job very easy as an editor because all they have to do is start telling me their story a little bit. And I'm like, that's interesting. You know? right. <laughs> so it's not difficult to find families to profile and people are constantly coming to us and, and submitting their own stories to us. And I would encourage anyone listening to, uh, to do that. They can email um, dads at gayswithkids.com. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I mean, it's, it's been a very cool part of this journey is to learn about so many different types of people and how they came to parenthood and it, no two stories are the same. Mm-hmm. Do you categorize them? Like, uh... Yeah, well, so we, I would say based on the path to parenthood, so we, um, you know, adoption and surrogacy tend to be the most common right now um, mm-hmm. for gay men. Um, these are usually gay men that are partnered with other men or increasingly single men that are starting yes. to embark on these processes solo, which I think is fascinating and mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but like I said, co-parenting is becoming more and more common between lesbians and, and, and gay men. Um, I have to assume that the most common. Is there anything else besides this? Well, I thought there are. What, so what about what about so people who were in great marriages? So I was about to say that still that's got to be the largest percentage of gays with kids by a huge percentage. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh wow. Married. Well, yes. we we just interviewed uh, the Mark. our veterinarian yeah. friend who did the same thing. You know, it's by far the most common course. path to parent. I think that will upwards change. of like sixty, seventy yeah. percent. I, mm-hmm. I forget what the exact percentage is. Is it's de- definitely in a lot of the writings we've done. This, so someone yeah. can fact check me. <laughs> but it's it's and it's that to me is fascinating as well because I do think it will start to change as um, LGBT people feel more comfortable coming out earlier. But the other interesting thing about that is that um, most people assume that um, gay men are um, like incredibly wealthy because they are able, or parents anyway, because they're able to afford surrogacy or adoption, which is not a cheap process. Um, When actually the vast majority of um, LGBT parents that are male um, uh, identify as bisexual Mm. and have children as a part of opposite sex relationships. Wow. Uh, so it's a huge misnomer that, you know, gay men in particular are these like, you know, wealthy. Well, and if they were fabulously wealthy, they won't be after the surrogacy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, last question, if uh, there's somebody who listened to us right now and, and wants to do what you did, what, where's the resource? Where, where, where can you go to? Is there a specific? My, my yeah. particular path to parenthood? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, Unfortunately, this is still an area where I think we need a we need more resources. It's something that's been on my mind a lot because still to this day, if you Google known sperm donor, my name and my column is usually the first thing that pops up. So <laughs> I, still, there needs to be more resources, yeah. and it's difficult though because it's not something. Again, like anytime anyone's reached out to me for advice, I'm more than happy to talk to anyone that's considering it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, people will tell me the their specific context and their circumstances, and they're all so different. It's really hard to, you know, there's no one path forward here. I, I would say that it, uh, make sure you're doing it with people that you know and trust and love. This isn't something to do willy-nilly. Um, it's something that will change your life. And um, yeah, so a lot of hard work and thought needs to go into it. But, um, but I will say that at Gays With Kids, this is, we're trying to make more resources for every different type of path yeah. to parenthood and this is one of one of the ones that we're still working on good thank you very much david of course. yeah uh, thanks very thank much you for having me fascinating
that was David. Um, and what I liked about the interview that he kind of helped me like rearrange all of the, uh, the ways of gay dads that we have. So we have surrogacy, adoption, uh, formerly married to women. We should actually had one of these in our podcast, uh, mm-hmm. the veterinarian, Mark. Mm-hmm. Also sperm donation, whether it's unknown or known sperm donation, and co-parenting, which is uh, our next interview is also a part of it. Yeah, so I was really interested in the back-to-back comparison of these two forms of parenting. Um, they seem on their face to be similar, uh, but they're not. Um, in one case, uh, we're talking about somebody who, while he did become very involved and has become very involved, started out as a sperm donor. And in our second interview, we're talking to a couple who actually decided that this is the way they wanted to become parents as uh, partners with uh, another woman who then became a couple. And and that seems so unusual and so out there. Uh, but, but as you listen to the um, enthusiasm that they bring to this, both the way they started and how it has unfolded, you realize that, my God, there's something really special about this form of, of family that they've created. And I was very excited by this interview. Let's hear it. So we're finally uh, interviewing somebody out of, uh, out of, yeah, yes, out of is, LA. That's right. So uh, Bill and JR are in San Francisco. Good morning. Good morning. Oh I feel God, like I we feel should like... introduce one of those long delays like they have, you know, on CNN where you're coming from a war zone or something, but <laughs> it's just San Francisco. So it's you know. still in California. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Um, we're great. We were out and about, did a couple errands this morning and how was your Thanksgiving for our remodel? It was really nice. It was great. We, um, it's funny. One of the, um, one of the questions you were asking in the, in the email in advance was kind of how our arrangement is. And one of our arrangements is that we spend all the holiday, the major holidays together. So we were with the kids, we were with the moms and some other friends and family. Oh, that's I, I think it's delicious. time that we should go into the story because, oh, you know, right. We might yeah, want to explain to our yeah. listeners Sorry, what's going on. They are. Yeah. So, um, uh, JR and Bill are co-parenting with uh, two lesbian moms, right? Yes. Can you let us into your story? Yeah. Give us, give us all the details. <laughs> okay. You got a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, it's all started, it was about 2003, the end of 2003, JR's biological clock started going off, uh, and he brought up the idea of having kids, and we, at that point, we were in our, you know, mid to late 30s, and we had never really discussed it too much beforehand, you know, we had family with kids, we enjoyed being around them, we hadn't really discussed it with each other, and when we thought about it, when we just, we talked about it, it just, the idea of Personally, me being a 24-7 parent, I'm an introvert. I need a lot of me time. Um, so I just was trying to be realistic about it. You know, I just knew, and it's something that most parents would never confess to. But I was honest with myself. I'm like being around a family 24-7 and never having that time that an introvert needs to recharge on his own. It just was not something that I saw as being constructive for 
child rearing. You know, I <laughs> and just, I was thinking that, I, and I, it wasn't I, even just my own self. It was also thinking about the kids. Like I wanted to be on for the kids when they're there. I want to have my focus on them. And I just knew I couldn't do that all the time. And I didn't, th- I thought that would be cheating a child out of that kind of attention that they need. It's interesting. You know, uh, you say that, uh, it, it, that some parents, a lot of people might find it difficult to admit. I think you're right. And I think it's, it's wonderful when people can, because no doubt about it, it's such a radical change to your life. Uh, it's very exciting to me that, um, you know, people are discovering uh, in a very direct way these alternative ways of bringing children into their lives. So yours was, how did it, uh, how did it start out? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know, that was definitely one of the concerns was you know, not being able to do it all the usual, you know, the traditional two-parent or even single parent models. So we discussed it, we, we decided nix it, no kids. And then JR kind of went into a grieving period after that. You know, yeah, I wasn't I was, sure. I was, I was a wreck. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, I, we, we discussed it a few days later, I come home from work and he's just upset and he, you know, I could tell he was crying. Um, so it was obviously deep, deeper rooted in him that even I had realized that he had wanted kids. But it was still, and I felt guilty. There was definitely that initial reaction of, oh, I should give in because I love this man. I want him to not feel this hole. But again, coming from my own dysfunctional family, I just know what it's like. You know, you want to bring a kid into the ideal situation. You don't want to, it's not about the parents. Once the kid's there, the focus has to be on them. So JR luckily is tenacious. JR is not somebody will, that will just let it lie unless he's exhausted all possibilities. And he just did a little bit more research and he came across this. We had heard about the concept of co-parenting, but not necessarily as, you know, this this pre-planned thing, this intentional co-parenting. Right. It's just a rare thing that we would hear about it now and then. So he did some more researching and he came back to me with this idea. And that's when I said, okay, yeah, we can we can pursue this. What so is sort of dating lesbians? Yeah, well, what, yeah, what, what did the research look like? What does that mean to do research in this? So, so we basically, we started dating. Um, we had, you know, dates. We dated this one woman who then broke up with us. We dated, um, and when I say date, we went out to dinner and, you know, talked about things. And we uh, dated a couple that ghosted us and never heard back from them again. <laughs> did did um, you have like in mind whether you want to have one lesbian parent or, or a couple? Did it matter? No, I don't even think that was ever a yeah. factor. It was just whoever we felt compatible with that felt compatible with us. And, and how, did it, how did you find these women? So there used to be a group in San Francisco called Perspective Queer Parents, and it's actually still in San Francisco under another name, Our Family Coalition, and they have sort of a, a parent, uh, co-parenting kind of a mixer, branch, sort of. Yeah. But anyway, we, we met, um, it was a once a month uh, thing, uh, and we met the all, the, all the women we dated, we met there, um, and then when we finally met um, Marguerite, the mom, uh, we decided that it was, um, we were compatible. We both wanted the same thing. And at this particular group, some, some people wanted, you know, donors or gay uncle dads or known donors. Uh, some people just wanted, um, you know, half and half, like, like we wanted. Yeah. Some people, yeah, wanted we were most, most of the women just wanted the known donor. They wanted their kids to know the dads, but the dads would not be legally involved. Most of the dads 
wanted that also that same kind of arrangement. Right. We were the only dads. We'd only actually gone to a couple of the meetings before we met the woman that we would actually co-parent with. Um, and we were the only dads that ever wanted at that point 50-50, where we wanted as much legal right, as much legal coverage and as much involvement as the moms did. And we just happened to, on our second, it was, somebody would host a Sunday brunch every month. And this particular brunch, there was just happened to be this woman there that was looking for the exact same thing. And then what you what we, it would do, it'd be like a support group. We'd all sit in a circle. We'd discuss all sorts of things from, hey, ha have you learned about this insemination process? Have you learned about these legal coverage? Hey, who do you recommend for this, that, and the other thing? As well as what are you specifically looking for in a uh, parent? And then afterwards would be the socializing. And that's where it becomes what our, what a friend of ours uh, called and what we started calling a sperm and egg mixer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you grab your brunch, you grab your mimosa or your oh. Bloody Mary and you kind of eyeball each other from across the room. You know, what do you think of that person? Yeah, it was very, it was a very <laughs> interesting dynamic there because, you know, we all wanted the same thing. And it's like, oh, I want, the, I want, I want to go out with her first, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm, but you're competing for the same, you know. I'm family. sorry to interrupt this podcast, but would you please... I, we need to see the dog. I need to see. Oh. The, I need to see the dog. Oh, I just took a. I just took a screenshot. Just so we'll have that now. Um, uh, who's who is who is the dog? That's Pogo. Pogo. All right. Yeah. All right. We we can continue now. That may or may so, not be edited out of the podcast. <laughs> how so? How long is the dating period goes? I mean, how many dates did you go with the women who you end up going with? So it, most of the women we dated was a very short amount of time, like before we... Now, well, real quick. When we say most, we literally, it was two, 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 two and then the one we ended up with. So, yeah, oh, so wow. Okay. Yeah. So we didn't do a lot of dating, but, right. but it was, you know, dinners, et cetera. But one, once we connected with Marguerite, we went out on a couple dates and, you know, had dinner and met some of her friends. And then we finally had the talk where we were like, oh, so... Are we going to be monogamous? <laughs> you know, is it just, yeah. is it just us? Yeah. Um, and once we decided that, then we made it official. We had every Thursday night we would get together. We called it family night, and we would, um, you know, sometimes go to dinner and have talk about you know a topic of you know religion or education or discipline or finances. Uh, and then some some nights we would just go out with friends or go bowling or movies and uh, and we did that for about. About two, a year, year and a half. About a year and a half, two years before we started the insemination process. Wow. So I, I, you're saying that, and I'm, I feel a little bit of anxiety. I mean, how can you know that that this this person is uh, someone you want to get like into this business with? Well, it's not just a business. Also, it's a family. Right. right. Yes, so, exactly. And forever. Exactly. Yeah, it's you're, forever. <laughs> you're binding yourself to this other person at a pretty profound level. Uh well, it's because of all those. That's why we call it dating, because, you know, just like dating, you're spending this time trying to get to know this person to see if you're compatible. One of the reasons why. Well, one of the things we always stress with co-parenting is personalities are the key. You cannot have a control freak. You cannot have a doormat. You know, everybody has to be pretty agreeable and flexible and willing to compromise. And that's what we got to know about Marguerite and ourselves during this process. We talked about everything from. Okay, what if we find out that there's, you know, there's a health risk for the baby or for the mom? Is abortion on the table? Right. I'm atheist. JR's agnostic. Marguerite's Catholic. She wanted to raise her, you know, her kids in a Catholic tradition. 
how are we willing to compromise on something like that? So there are some pretty, pretty deep discussions we had, but we were always calm about it and reasonable and rational. And all of this went into a, a parenting document, which I actually pulled up this morning. We signed that document on this exact day, November 23rd in 2005. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> what a coincidence what I pulled up. Oh, but we put it all in writing. Um, and one of the things that, that, in addition to just the day-to-day compromises as we were going along, we were realizing we're compatible, one of the things she did that we've, we were reassured by is she was single at the time, and she said we should add a clause into the agreement that if she should start to date somebody, that person has no say in, as a co-parent for at least the first two years because she understands you get into a relationship you're in the throes of those initial emotions and then that could cause a lot of turbulence wow that is still single and rational and calm she's like let's protect ourselves from this and and protect us from this herself really how did you that was reassuring how how'd you come up with the document did you base it off of something else that you found somewhere online or whatever yeah that was something yeah, JR the, found. yeah, yeah the, the 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 perspective queer parents uh that group at the time had a very minimal website and they had some sample documents so i took that a few different documents we also had an attorney um look at it talk about it um and so we altered it from there wow that's, and it's only five pages. <laughs> was it was it uncomfortable at all to do this part like the legal part because here you are talking about having a baby together and then like you know you have to be nice to each other and then comes the legal part which is not so nice right yeah was- well again that was that was why we felt comfortable doing this because we all we were all so in sync with each other yeah. that it wasn't awkward it wasn't painful um, JR and I are open books about our lives. We're very, here we are, take it or leave it. We definitely, there are things that society might consider, you just don't talk about that. And we're like, yeah, you do. <laughs> you know, especially when it's something like, you know, bringing a life into the world. You know, you're bringing a future adult into the world. You want to make sure you're doing it right. Um, and luckily, you know, Marguerite was open to that kind of approach. When we, when we started telling family and friends about it, a lot of them grilled us on it. And initially, you know, instead of it being, and we had already talked to Marguerite for a while before we broke the news about everything. About yeah. everything. So when we started telling people that we were going through with this, they started bombarding us with questions. And the initial reaction was, why can't you just say congratulations like everybody else? You know, <laughs> I can understand some questions, but some people are like, oh my God, I can't believe you're gonna do that. But then, but in hindsight, or even as we were still getting those reactions, we came to appreciate it. We're like, you know what? This isn't just something that should not be done, but this is something that every prospective parent should have to uh, yeah. go through. Yeah, I don't care, even if you're the traditional, you know, straight mom and dad, family, duh, you know, if you're gonna bring lives into this world, you need to make sure you've got all those things considered and planned. So what you're saying is this is a full-throated support for a prying and, uh, uh, um, you know, in very deeply involved friends and, and parents, just prying into all of your business. That's what you're saying. That's a good thing. We need more of that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always about approach. You know, definitely it's about approach. Ask the questions. Be concerned. You know, because we realized that's where it was coming from. It was, it was a sense of concern. Right. Um, but, it's definitely, I think, something that, well, did you consider this? And you might hurt some feelings, but... You know. Right. I'm curious. Um, uh, here you are. You went into this parenting thing uh, together with Marguerite, but that's also the beginning of a relationship with her as an individual that's 
got to be awfully rich, right? And yet you went into that much faster than I'm going to assume you did with each other. What do you think the balance is? Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, (laughs) What do you think the balance is of, um, you know, the, the, the sense of caring, support, love that the two of you have for her relative to the relationships that you guys, you know, formed with each other? Well, it's definitely a different relationship. And just to get back to your initial comment, you know, actually, Jr. and I, it was, it really was, I mean, it's cheesy, but it's, it was love at first sight, you know, pretty much the second date I was moved in with him. Wow. And we were living yeah. in New York, so it was we had, quick. We what? had matching tattoos within the first six months. <laughs> no, no, Yenir, no tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I so, want to uh, get a Kylie that's tattoo. Also part of it. Like, we, we, that's also one of the reasons... You know, I think we both have it in us to kind of get be pretty good at sensing whether something's working or not in a relationship. And, right. You know. So yeah, we we our approach to this is that we're a family. That we're all a family. We're all a support network. A lot of times we we will compare it to a divorced family. You know, they came onto it, they separated. But usually in that situation, you know, you have a family. All of a sudden, the kid's life is upended because now the parents are split into two different homes. Unfortunately, a lot of times it's not amicable, or even if it is, there's still this sense of here's one family, here's the other family, and only occasionally do they overlap. With us, we're a united front on, at all times. We do major holidays together. We're always at parent-teacher conferences together. We vacation together. We take the four away. of you, you mean? The four yeah. of us, mm-hmm. yeah. All, all decisions, like just recently we had a whole big conversation about, okay, it's time for Mary to get her first cell phone. We all sat down and discussed it. Like, what are the rules? How do we, because we all have different levels of concern about modern technology. So, yeah, I mean, Android or iPhone, how do you decide? These are critically important <laughs> yeah, questions. Exactly. Well, but, yeah, they are kind of. I'm, yeah. we're, an anti, we're an anti-Apple family. <laughs> can I, can I uh, just pry a little bit into the, into the legal document? Because you are obviously four parents and there's only uh, two places in the, in all the birth certificates and everything. So who's on it? And well, this uh, is, um, this is another thing that's kind of changed over, over the years. Well, do you hold want to on start? a second. Yeah. So, but I think he's asking about our, our initial legal document mm-hmm. was actually only signed by no Homan wasn't the parenting. Yeah. The parenting, yeah, that was just Margaret. the parenting agreement. Um, the, the other mom, Homan, isn't, wasn't even involved at that time. She, they didn't start dating until we started insemination. So that legal document has our three names on it. Um, but the interesting thing is, even though that's a notarized legal document, that's our, our attorney basically said, you know, not, that's not going to hold up in court. But if something goes wrong, it's a place to come back to if there are any issues and we have to go to arbitration or something. But it's not technically a legally binding document. Mm. Right. Now, for the for the actual birth and the birth certificate and the and the and the truly legal things, Bill is the biological father, so his name is on both birth certificates. Right. But I adopted both kids, so I have adoption papers that also have my name on it. And in California, you can choose to whether to leave the um, father's name on the birth certificate after the adoption, and we chose to leave bills. So legally, I'm the father, but we both have documents that say we're the father. Yeah. Wow, so that's interesting. And what about so the, the states, so they don't have. 
Well, the mother. The, the oh, and then birth the mom, the, yeah, the biological mother. Her, hers is the other name on the, on oh, the okay. uh, birth certificate, and she has the other fifty-fifty legal coverage. Oh, so so, so if I understand what, yeah, it's pretty complicated. So if I understand what that <laughs> means, uh, it means that uh, as far as sort of legal guardianship is concerned, um, one of you at a <laughs> at a time can have le legal guardianship, but the other is in fact uh, the uh, recorded as the biological parent. Yeah. Right? And, and legally, he's because we're married, he's also legally the step-parent, which also uh, comes with rights. Yeah, oh, interesting. Legal coverage. <laughs> yeah. How far do you guys uh, live from each other? Uh, about 20-minute drive. We're, we're all in San Francisco, but it's about maybe a 20-minute drive. I see. And can you just tell us a little bit about what, what's a, how does the uh, week work on an average week in terms of where the, where the kids are? And actually, before we move on from the legal coverage, just as kind of an educational thing for the listeners. Yeah. So a few years after we had the kids at the time, you could only have two legal parents in California. A few years ago, State Assemblyman Mark Leno got a bill passed. So now it's legal that on a case-by-case -case basis, a, a family court judge can appoint up, you know, multiple parents. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so Thank you, Mark. You know, we're, we're, honestly, we're, we're kind of complacent because we're in such a comfortable place that we don't feel like our family's at risk. Right. But eventually we will get around to getting that, you know, my, my own adoption rights back or my own legal rights back. Man, California but, uh, is a wild state. I love yeah, it. Exactly. There actually is. It's, it's California, and I think, I want to say either Massachusetts or Oregon. There's one other state that has it, but California is, you know, was one of the first. I was interviewed for, you know, a legal paper here in the state by the New York Times when all this was going through the process. It was it was a big, big news. Wow. So, but anyway, I just want to make sure that anybody listening that might be considering this, that is an option out there. That, that yes, now everybody can be the legal parent uh, as long as the judge finds that it's stable. You know, provides the stability for the child. Right. Amazing. So anyway, Okay, so now back where we were. Just can you just give us a quick rundown of the way the um, the 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 sharing works of time and kids? So it's yes. So it's about fifty fifty. Um, although you know we don't. It doesn't. If it's seventy five, twenty five, it doesn't really matter to us as long as it's all stable. Uh, but we have them um, every Monday and Tuesday. The moms have them every Wednesday and Thursday, and then we alternate Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, wow. So, for example, we'll get them. We 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 dropped them off on Wednesday. We we didn't have them yesterday, although we saw them for Thanksgiving. Um, didn't have them today, but we'll get them tonight, and we'll have them through next Wednesday morning, and then they'll be with the moms Wednesday and Thursday. Friday, How Saturday. does the girls feel about that? Well, it's what it's all they've ever known from the very beginning. So it's their that's their reality. They don't mm -hmm. know any different. And, you know, the, we we've asked them, you know, how do you how do they feel about it? And they're fine with it. They like it. Um, the only truly the only downside is that occasionally there's, oh, I left my shoes at mom's house or, you know, my backpack is there. So we have to swing by on our way to school or something like that. But um, they're, you know, it's their life. I would have assumed that you guys have two of absolutely everything. I mean, everything. <laughs> you know what? We, we thought that would be the case, and sometimes we did, but something would still end up traveling to the other <laughs> house. And they have two at one house and none at the other. All right, other. right. Understood. I can't tell you how many times we have to swing by to get a pair of socks, socks. to school in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, but the whole uh, shared custody thing, What one of the things we did was 
we consulted a child counselor who specializes in shared custody cases. So we got her input on what are the best schedules and at different stages of the, you know, different ages. So when we had, we had a different schedule when they were younger and then as they got older, we settled into this one, which is actually a very commonly used shared custody schedule for, you know, divorced parents. Our friend Tom, he was divorced. He had shared custody. It's the exact schedule he had. Right. So, so we, we, we wanted to make sure we recovered both, you know, the child, the child care was covered by, by consulting professionals, just like we consulted legal professionals. So like when, when, when the, when both kids were first born, we did every other day because the, you know, the psychologist is like, well, it's not good to be gone from their parents for a few days at a time when they're that young, when, when they're in that early bonding stage. So we, we did every other day. And then of course, you know, she breastfed. So there was that. And, you know, so there was in the early stages, there were a lot more considerations than there are now. It's much easier now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Wow, this is amazing and and fascinating and so radically different from, you know, what our lives are like and so it's it's really wonderful to see this uh this this different form and of parenting. That it's working so good. And yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. You know, I I have to say I I love it. I um you know, when in the in the beginning when Bill said no kids and I grieved um and then came up with this co-parenting, I've since thanked him for the co-parenting situation because it is, it's amazing because we have our free time every other weekend. Um, we both travel for work. So there are times where that it comes in handy having that support network. Yes. One of the things that we have uh, that we, we always stress is we're not from San Francisco. Our families are in Ohio and New Jersey. Right. And the moms who are local, they don't have large extended families. So, by building, we built basically built a support network for ourselves, all four of us. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't, we don't have, have grandma four, and aunts. To... The kids have four parents that love them and want to take care of them. It's it's really, it's amazing. And the my so when we first started talking about it with our families, um, you know, I'm from Ohio, and and like all things, they they it takes some getting used to. You know, when we first decided we weren't going to have kids, it's like, oh, that's great. Well, how's that going to work? And then when we decide co-parenting, oh, that's great. Well, how's that going to work? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. now my mom has seen us in action. And back in the early days when Oprah was still on, she really, she was trying to get me to go on Oprah. <laughs> she was like, you guys are so awesome. You need to share this with the world. And you missed that opportunity? And I now know, you're on right? our podcast? Listen, opportunity. Our, our, our podcast is great, but if you get an, op an Oprah opportunity, you take it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're a stepping stone to Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, thank you thank so you much so for much. doing this. Yes. We really appreciate your, your, your time on a, uh, what is today? On a Friday morning after Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, we wish you the best with this. Our pleasure, really. Our pleasure, our thank pleasure. you. All right. So those were Bill and JR, and as I said before the interview, I, I, I really was uh, very excited by the, by the idea of what they did and how they went about it. And I think, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm thrilled that they've found uh, a happy life and children in their lives in a way that worked for both of them. Um, but 
I think there's kind of uh, something very intellectually exciting to me about this whole, um, you know, th- this this whole episode, and it's that the more I'm thinking about these different ways of parenting, the more I'm recognizing that what's old is new again. That we think about these things as if they're radical. I'm sure that there are plenty of you know right wing. Republicans who think that these are radical things to do. The funny thing is, they're not really radical at all. In a lot of ways, it's the re-embrace of something that we used to have, Mm -hmm. which is the idea that you go into a a relationship or into a life saying, how am I going to plan this out? What is going to work for me? You know, I I want children. How am I going to raise them? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, you know, uh, since the whatever it was, the sexual revolution or whatever it was, uh, the idea was you don't worry about things like that. You know, marriage wasn't oriented around the idea of family and, and et cetera. It was only love, right? I love you, so I'm going to marry you. What's exciting about this is we're starting to see that people are returning a little bit, a little bit conservative, returning to this idea of saying, wait, I, I have to plan out my life, my future, my children. You're absolutely right. I think that the co-parenting started so long ago that even before the the, the fact that you know gay men got married and, oh, and yeah. adopted hundreds uh, and, of years ago. Because I remember when I came out, there was uh, somebody like one of my friends who was a little bit older, um, who you know had baby co-parenting with a lesbian person, and my ex now is is co-parenting with a straight woman right. because she didn't find somebody. Right. You know, to marry, and it's become, and she, she she is afraid of being too old, right? Right. So it's been going on for a while, and the fact that they kind of bring it into like the kind of refreshing it, yeah, a little yeah. bit, and, uh, and and I think that it it's so well old. so well thought. Yeah. I mean, according to what they say, with the whole agreement and everything, that it's uh, I love it. I mean, and, it's pretty and, much a, a good solution. And embracing it so openly that it's that it's possible a for other people like our listeners and us to learn about it, uh, but b that it allows it to evolve because people learn from each other and what their experiences have been like. So this is this is really powerful, uh, and I wonder whether uh, straight people uh, from you know areas and cultural backgrounds that are perhaps not as open to gays could look at this and say. Oh, wait a minute. I recognize that. I recognize that in the way I was raised or in the way people uh, uh, grew up around me in that families are not as simple as there are always a mom and a dad. And, you know, this is unusual, but in a way that works. That's it from. uh... Wait, I have sage advice. Oh, do you do? I do. I have sage advice. Okay, sage advice. I, I, it's sage advice that sort of came to me this morning. I walked out of my house this morning and I saw uh, a man uh, pushing a stroller with twin babies in it. And uh, all right, so I'm not a shrinking violet uh, to begin with. It's true. I'm a, you know, I have a large personality. But nonetheless, I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to go over and talk to that guy. And I walked right over to him and I said, hi, uh, uh, you know, uh, introduced myself and told him that we had twin uh, boys. And I could see in his eyes how happy he was to speak to somebody who, um, you know, was not five months old. (laughs) Also not five months old, but was 
was in had had just recently been in a in, in a similar boat. And my sage advice is this: there are few situations where humans are more open to friendship as much as when they have newborn children. Because I think that when they have newborn children, A, they're sick and tired of all of their the people that they're around being, you know, five months old. But B, they really need the support of somebody else who has gone through or is going through the same experience. And so my sage advice is this. If you have a kid, um, consider that when you see somebody with a baby, they would love to hear from you. They would love to feel like... You know, there's somebody who is 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 there to support them, just to talk to them for five minutes, etc. It can be very lonely, and I think that it's a great idea to reach out to people with babies. Oy. This is my sage advice. Day after Thanksgiving. Thank you, Alex. You have a big personality. personality. Oh my God! Personality. It's a family-friendly podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs>